Free Trail fam, welcome back to the show. Of course, I am Dylan Bowman, your loving host, here with another episode. As most of you will surely know, at this point, we talk about trail running on this program. And today, we're exploring a new subject that I think is important to the core values of trail running. And that is how we as an industry can work in symbiosis with our natural environment, the places that we recreate, and how we can all be successful and enjoy what we do professionally, but critically do so in a way that is supportive of the health or at least not detrimental to our natural playground, the great, beautiful Mother Earth. Today, I am joined by Nicholas Bornling and Jesper Danielson from the Swedish outdoor brand Houdini. I came to be connected with Nicholas a couple weeks ago here in Portland, Oregon, where he is based, heading up the North American operation of the business, in addition to being the head of brand for Houdini International. After talking with him over coffee for an hour, I thought this is something we need to feature on the show, how to make sustainable outdoor apparel, how to build a consumer business that stands in opposition to overconsumption and generally how to be a values-driven and circular company in a notoriously wasteful industry. Nicholas suggested we also involve his colleague Jesper Danielson, the head of offering and a product designer who I've come to learn has an impeccable reputation in the industry and who joined us from his office in Stockholm, Sweden. Jesper did a great job of explaining how they stick to their values in the products that they bring to market, while Nicholas talks about how they articulate their mission and educate their customers from a brand perspective. The reason we decided to do this podcast now is because Houdini just launched their first trail running line of apparel just a couple weeks ago, appropriately called the Pace Collection. I haven't tried the products yet myself, but they look beautiful. I linked to their website in the show notes where you can check them out for yourselves. But I figured this would be a fun and worthy conversation for the show, welcoming a new brand into our world, into the trail running market, and introducing them to an audience who feels similarly about environmentalism and living values-driven, high-integrity lives. I think this will really resonate with you guys. As usual, the Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, another brand dedicated to circularity in their product offerings. You guys have heard me rave about the team and the products behind Speedland, but today is an important day. Today, we are proud to announce the arrival and the commencement of shipping of the SLHSV, the slick black trail shoe that is sure to blow your minds and help you float over even the gnarliest trails effortlessly, guaranteed. Those who pre-ordered will receive their shoes soon. And for everybody else, go get yourself a pair. Visit runspeedland.com. Fill up a digital shopping cart with these hyper-performance shred slippers. I'm meeting up with Dave and Kevin next week. We're working on some really cool stuff. Really excited to share more soon and always appreciative of their support of everything we do here at Free Trail. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy this episode. See you on the other side. Okay, Jesper, Nicholas, welcome to the show. I figured the best place to start is with an introduction to Houdini, the brand for whom you both work. Um, I want to get personal histories from both of you also, but let's start with the brand that is Houdini. Maybe Jesper, we'll start with you. Can you give us just the quick history of Houdini and what sets it apart in the outdoor industry? Perfect. Thanks a lot for having us. And a quick intro to Houdini. It's a, it's a brand that has been designing uh, for a circular system since 2001. A Swedish outdoor brand uh, pushing the boundaries of how the textile industry is working today and, and trying to reimagine um, how a world would look like when we're actually designing in symbiosis between nature uh, and the society we're in today trying to push those boundaries as much as possible. Thank you. Nicholas, anything to add there? 
Oh, uh, I think that was actually really well done, Jesper. I, I was hoping you could continue for another half hour so I could have three more topics. <laughs> but uh, um, it's, uh, there's so much to be said about uh, Houdini, really. And I, I think one thing that Jesper said is an in- interesting one. Um, Jesper said that we're a, we're a Swedish outdoor brand. And it's actually a... It's been a big discussion inside Houdini, you know, how we categorize ourselves. And um, we try to stay away from categories, categories like outdoor and fashion and lifestyle or, you know, running or skiing or, or any of those, um, any of those descriptions of a company. And, and it's not because we think that we are so much better than everybody else. It's more that the philosophy that goes deep inside Houdini is that uh, we stand against overconsumption in general, and um, we we try to minimize their impact uh, on on the planet and the ecosystems around us. And one of the ways to do that is to design and deliver product solutions that cover more than one activity or one place or one uh, situation in your life. Um, and you, you can you can digest or you can uh, dissect that one deeply, but at the end of the day, um, then saying that you are an outdoor brand will immediately label your stuff uh, for one usage yeah. and one usage only. Um, so I think that would be one of the very few things that I would add to to Jesper. Um, I don't think that that would do it justice to just say that we're an outdoor brand. Um, sure. The stuff that we deliver and, and design should be used uh, throughout your life. Wow. Great. So it's already become evident that, uh, Nicholas, you're the brand guy and uh, <laughs> Jesper, you're the product guy. And I think this will be such a fun conversation to explore both of those avenues with the two of you. So Houdini is still a private company, right? You're based in Stockholm. And uh, can you give us an idea of the size of the company in terms of number of employees and or revenues, if that's something that you disclose? And and also just like whether the majority of your sales are in the European market, in the US, any of that kind of stuff, just to educate the listener, I think would be useful. All right. So so this time, Jesper, uh, I'm going to lead and you can... um... (laughs) You can adjust whatever I said, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, we're based out of Stockholm, Sweden. Um, it's a small company in terms of uh, the numbers. Uh, we we dream big, though, uh, and our ambitions are big. Um, I think currently we're around 35 to 40 people, um, all in all. Uh, we tend not to speak about revenue, so... Uh, that's not something that I, I, think, I figured uh, that was the case, thing. but you know, I wouldn't yeah. be doing my job if I didn't ask. No, no, so. that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's absolutely cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, we've actually been around for quite a long time. Um, there are two periods, uh, to Houdini's history. We actually were started already in the mid nineties, uh, by a, uh, a, f- a female mountain guide, Lotta was her name. Uh, who um, was trying to find solutions uh, for what she was doing and she couldn't find it in the marketplace. So she started designing and making uh, mainly first layer uh, product. And uh, that lasted for five, six years or so. Um, And then the second period of Houdini's face starts in the beginning of 2000 when Eva Carlson and, and Hannah Lindblad um, met somehow uh, in the vicinity of Houdini and, and decided to to buy the company. And uh, from there on, the second period or the second phase of, of Houdini continues on. So it's older than most people think. And here in the U.S. where we are largely uh, unknown, um, people tend to think of us as a as a young company. Uh, we're young in spirit, but we've been around for a while. Yeah. And uh, Nicholas, you and I had uh, coffee together yesterday here in Portland, and you and I are both broadcasting here in the U.S., but it sounds like the vast majority of the uh, employees are back in Stockholm where Jesper sits. Jesper, Jesper, let's bring you back into the conversation. 
I'd love to hear uh, just a little bit about your role. Uh, as I talked to Nicholas before this conversation, uh, your reputation uh, precedes you. People uh, talk highly of you of, uh, in terms of your your skill as a, a product person, as a designer. So talk about how you ended up at Houdini and what role you occupy with the brand. Um, thanks a lot. I've uh, been at Houdini for about seven soon to be eight years. I uh, today overlook, or my position is head of offering and um, might sound a little bit off uh, when you first look at it, but when you start looking at our, the way we organize ourselves, it's based on a user-centric perspective. So I'm I'm overseeing the offer to our end user. Uh, and since when uh, when designing for circularity on, on different levels it's not only products but how they actually experience a product which is important so i start all the way on the conceptual level with how we can offer products to our end users so working with different business models as rental and uh, repairs and, and how we offer uh, beyond that and then walk out work all the way through uh, material uh, innovation product design uh, all the way and uh, together with the rest of, of my team into um, how we uh, develop products, but also how we bring products uh, all the way to the shelves. So I, I have a, a wide span, but I come from a, a design and innovation background. Uh, started my journey uh, a few years back uh, in Germany uh, for a brand called Adidas. Uh, worked both in their... Uh, outdoor uh, department and in the advanced team, the future team working on, on uh, the creative guidelines of the brand, uh, just as well as innovation concepts for what, uh, what would come out into, uh, into the ranges going forward. And then out of a funny coincidence, I met Eva or she called me when I was heading back to Sweden on on Berlin airport. And we ended up taking a coffee the day after, which was uh, four and a half hours long. <laughs> Classic Europeans, coffee. right? Yeah. Nick and I had a coffee for about 30 minutes, but the Europeans, you guys linger over it for hours and hours. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, keep going. You and Ava, the CEO, we're, we're talking. No, and uh, I, I was about to miss my flight heading... Uh, the reason going back to Sweden was for one of my childhood friend's wedding. And I was about to miss the, the flight when I looked back at the watch. So it was uh, maybe the, the shortest four and a half hour coffee yeah. in history at the same time. And, and I think her enthusiasm, philosophy of the brand and the vision of, of creating something which is completely without compromise and, and working in, in alignment and in symbiosis with nature somewhat uh, triggered me as a designer. I think as a designer, you always want to uh, to create something more, create something which is on an even higher level. And then me coming firstly from a fashion background before I ended in into sportswear and innovation had the, the aspect of, of creating good design there from an aesthetical point of view, adding functionality at a brand like Adidas where you could sit down with professors and engineers into labs and climate chambers and look at uh, and all those aspects very nerdy and and somewhat to me then this this aspect of doing this in symbiosis with nature in combination kind of getting those three parts into it uh, it just spoke to me and that was maybe a bigger challenge that I could have seen before yeah so we clicked and then uh from one thing led to the other, and uh, six months later, I was back in yeah back in trying to uh, to navigate my way on into a, a smaller company, going from a sixty thousand yeah. employee company into a, a twenty five uh, <laughs> <before coming laughs> back then or twenty even yeah uh, it was it was a big um, big difference in terms of resources, but also in terms of of size yeah. I love the idea of being the head of offering rather than the head of product. It's not only about what you bring to market, but how it shows up and how you engage with the customer. And I do want to talk more about the reusability and the rental programs and things like that, but we'll get to that in a sec. So Nick, let's uh, just sort of bring your history full circle here as well. I know you have a long history in uh, the outdoors. So how do you end up at Houdini and what role do you occupy? 
Thanks, Dylan. I, I know that Jesper is smiling at this time because he's going to be like, oh, dear God, this is going to take a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I am just like Jesper. I'm Swedish. Um, and uh, I live right here in Portland, right next to you, Dylan. Uh, I'm married to a, uh, a Portlander uh, uh, who was born and bred here in Portland. So this is where we ended up. But I, I've, I've been... Uh, I've been working in in the outdoor industry in the sports industry, and I, I took a little detour at one point in Salt Lake or in Salt Lake City in the in the Bay Area into more tech oriented stuff. But my career is best summarized by a long formative period at Salmon, uh, fifteen years, I think it was, and five five in Sweden locally and ten at HQ down in in Annecy in France in the French Alps. Um, an amazingly beautiful place that I'm sure you've been to, Dylan. Um, um, it's just this amazing lake surrounded with mountains, and then the vicinity right next to it, you have all these famous ski resorts and it's, mountain resorts. It's holy ground for trail runners. Everybody is familiar with Annecy, and, and especially with Solomon, a brand that you spent much of your career with. So how'd you end up at, at Houdini, and, and what's your role there? Well, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say it's the same as Jesper, but, um, we, uh, actually it's, it's all Eva. I mean, you, we, we should probably introduce Eva at one point, Dylan, as well, because Please. she's the hub and the center and the heart, uh, to this company and this brand overall. But Eva and I worked together, um, right at 2000, I think this was 2001, uh, when Salomon launched Apparel. Um, and uh, we we were looking for people to help us launch apparel because, as you know, the salmon stemmed out of skiing and ski bindings and ski boots and skis, and later on that became uh, footwear. Uh, so we knew nothing about apparel, really. So we're, we were sucking up uh, knowledge and know-how. And Eva came in and was found. She was, she was at Patagonia at the time, and uh, Eva and I got to work together for a year, a year and a half, something like that. Uh, and after that, she, um, she she bought Houdini and uh, together with Hannah and, and started running it. And I, and I ran into Eva, you know, two times per year, right? It, you know exactly what this is. It's, it's ISPO in Europe and it's uh, all outdoor retailer. US, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and, and you've got Friedrich Safin as well uh, back in the day. And, uh, and every time I came in and I saw this amazingly beautiful thing that uh, Eva and the team had been building, like a lot of other people in this industry, we have always looked at Houdini and said, I wish we could do what they do. Uh, and, and that's a funny thing, Dylan, we should probably park that. Why isn't more people and companies doing what Houdini is doing, really? I mean, it's beautiful stuff. Um, it's aesthetically very pleasing and, um, you know, sorry to be using this greenwashing word sustainability, but it, it has pretty much established the idea of sustainable apparel in this industry. Yeah. Um, so we met, you know, over 10, 15 years. And every time we said, we got to do something together. We got to work together again. We had so much fun. And um, I, I was living here in Portland and I'd been working for another a company in the footwear industry based out of Portland. And um, and the pandemic hit, and and that whole thing ended. And just a, just a few weeks later, Eva pinged me. I guess she had no idea about that. Uh, and she's like, "Do you want to do something together?" I'm like, "Well, this is definitely not going to be the time for us to move to Sweden, Eva. Yeah. Um, we've uh, had another kid come on, and um, they're American, so so we're we're going to be here in Portland." Yeah. She's like, "Yeah, I know." And that's that's great. Uh, pandemic has shown us we we can work, uh, you know, from anywhere in the world. It's it's all fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so we 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 did that and started working together. And uh, I am now officially going to apologize for you know for, to everybody in the team in Stockholm whose schedule I've interrupted and asked <laughs> them to stay up and and. Uh, postpone dinners and get back on a call after dinners again so but it, it is it's working 
uh, it's challenging, but that's, that's kind of my story. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the background guys. So I want to spend the majority of our time here talking about the new pace collection that you just launched. Of course, this is a trail running audience and I think the brand is just, uh, yeah, underappreciated in our industry, probably because, you know, this is the first offering that you've made specifically to trail runners. And so I want to help amplify your message, especially, the circularity and the sustainability. And as you mentioned, Nick, those words are probably sometimes overused and you use the word greenwashing. And I think sometimes brands kind of throw those words around without much significance to what they're actually delivering to the market. But I want to use the Pace Collection as an opportunity and as a lens through which to view the core philosophies of Houdini, the brand. So um, maybe Jesper, let's go back to you. Can you talk a little bit about the Pace Collection, how it came to be, what opportunity you saw in the market and how you guys went about executing against that from the design side? Brilliant. First off, I think an important part to understand is our vision to create that maximum experience for our end user with zero impact and to actually move beyond to become a regenerative company in the long run. And to achieve that, we believe that we need to create circular product as a starting point uh, all the way through. And um, by 2022, we want all our range to be circular and we're heading into that direction for this year, which is amazing. And uh, it's so cool to see that we've accomplished and we've come to this, this extent. Uh, but going back to when I first started Running for me has always been close to my heart or or exercising. I was laughing when I read your bio uh, the other day and you, you said it. it's like, I like exercise. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that was like it. Um, because clothes uh, made for exercising in different occasions or especially high pulse activities up until this point has has always been created with linear materials or linear products in general. It's It's very difficult to create uh, close-fitting garments uh, like tights, for instance, and others where uh, you're using something which is uh, recycle recyclable, yeah. something which can go from one resource to the next one. And for us, resources is something that we only borrow. And at one point in time, we need to bring that back to nature. So with that in mind, we went about to look upon how is products for high pulse activities created and how can we reimagine the way they're doing and with a main focus on, on the human experience of it, looking at how end users go about today, we have the feeling that the space is cluttered with numbers. People tend to focus on the stats of their devices rather than the view on a mountaintop. I have friends that keep sending me, they live in these beautiful places like Nicholas just explained. And then rather than getting a, an image of a of a view from a mountaintop, you get a, a view of a screenshot or a photograph of a watch of a wrist, yep. which can be fun. But for us, enjoying nature is uh, is key, and reconnecting to nature uh, is key. So by focusing on that human experience, how it feels to wear the garments, how it feels to push the boundaries of of your body, and uh, going out there and enjoying nature. Uh, what's the main priority? So that doesn't mean, sorry. I, w I was just going to say, so, you know, obviously, again, this is going to be a trail, trail running audience. Did you have conversations at the brand level of, you know, this is a, a growing sport that we would like to have a relationship with? Did you sort of make the conscious decision that we think we can do something new and different within this particular sporting category and maybe also begin to talk about how you go about sort of the material selection and design process when you are entering into a new sporting category. For us, it's important that our products become wearable multi-tools rather than seeing them as a t-shirt. It's an enabler for adventure and trail running being a massive part of that going from you can go from fast hiking to running and, and, and trail running like in all 
in a in a smooth way the way I see it and and enabling all those activities has been at the core of what we want to do to create and and a full a wardrobe which can enable all the adventures you want to do and uh, and for us trail running is definitely a part of that going out there and and seeing nature is maybe one of the purest ways from my personal feeling and um, so for that as uh, has always been uh, close to heart for me, but uh, also a natural uh, add to uh, being a, uh, a brand which focuses in equally amount on climbing or mountaineering. This was an, a natural add to it. Yeah. Um, and then I, th- I think going back to the process and 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 what we decided uh, needed to look at from a design brief perspective was to look at the materials which is out there and what do they offer to our end users end users. And how can we reimagine how those are created? Taking a, a pragmatic example, I think the adventure tights is is something which is is fun. It's an in development we started about five and a half, six years ago, uh, together with a supplier in Japan, uh, and where we we wanted to eliminate the stretch fibers, the lycra fibers, which makes tights fabric non-recyclable today. And we just needed to rethink how it's put together and. And quite often when when you look upon that, okay, how can we reimagine, reshape this? More often than not, you get new added benefits out of that product development. Huh. So not only did we make something which uh, uh, is recyclable, but more importantly, we made something which dries quicker and holds less moisture uh, than Lycra does or a fabric with Lycra does in general, which hmm. means that you push it for longer and stay active for longer it it keeps you more comfortable for a longer period of time so when you approach it with that new perspective you're able to also innovate on what is currently in the market so you just use the word circularity and you've used it a couple of times can you be specific about what that means for the audience who's not well versed in the apparel industry and maybe why that's differentiated from the standard across the industry right now so we we look upon uh, material creation and circularity from two different lenses. The technical synthetic one, where we use uh, uh, synthetic materials, monomers, so often a recycled polyester, which can be recycled again and again and again into the same shape and form, either through a mechanical or a chemically recycled process, enabling you to go from resource to resource to resource to resource rather than going in a linear uh, system where you would mix fibers, uh, where it goes from a resource and then to waste and into landfill. Yeah, This means we can use on a synthetic side the product again and again and again without downgrading it. Or on a biological side, we use naturals. So we work with wool or we work with uh, options which are man-made next to wool. So for instance, tensile uh, or similar where we can... Uh, also recycle them and go from resource to resource to resource. Or in the long run, those can be biodegradable and go back into the soil as, uh, as potent fertilizer and something which actually add, add to the, the system there and brings um, nutrition back to, to the earth. It's fa- fascinating. Make sure, make so, sure to never mix the two and, and by keeping them separate, uh, it's a crucial part to yeah. to. So I just want to summarize and re-emphasize that for the listeners. So you never mix the natural materials with the synthetic materials because with the synthetics, you're able to recycle those. And with the natural materials, they're actually biodegradable and you can compost them. It's a fascinating reimagination of what's possible in the apparel industry. So Nick, back to you now. How do you take this sustainability mission and communicate it to the marketplace as sort of the brand and marketing guy? How do you take Jesper and Ava's vision and uh, communicate it to the broader general public? Wow. Um, That's a big question, Dylan. I... I I think the launch of, uh, of Pace, and by the way, I should probably add that uh, the Pace collection was actually already launched last fall. Um, but at that point, we um, we launched it through the lens of ski ski mountaineering and ski touring. Mm. Um, and and this is 
it's the, uh, the sort of the follow-up to that, which is your spring-summer version of that collection um, through the lens of trail running. So I think just to add to Jesper, the, the idea from the beginning was to design uh, a product solution that would work for people, uh, for users that are looking for um, solutions uh, in high energy and high pulse, high energy output activities. And it just became completely natural to us to do that through ski touring and ski mountaineering and trail running in spring summertime. It's it's very often the same uh, the same user, the same user motivation. Uh, quite often, you'll see ski mountaineers and ski tourists trail running in summertime and vice versa. So, yeah. and and that is also kind of important, Dylan. Um, because, uh, as I said before, we, we try to avoid designing to only one specific use uh, because then we perpetuate um, the cycle of overconsumption, right? So there, are, there are companies out there that will tell you that you're going to need this jacket because you are mostly an uphill runner and you're going to need this jacket because you're mostly running on flats and technical and, and downhill and, and stuff like that. Um, that is something that we stand purely against, really. Um, we'd like you, Dylan, to use our stuff running, um, whether you're running off-road off or on-road or uh, on the Canary Islands or in uh, Death Valley or in Chamonix at the UTMB or whatever it is, but we'd also like you to feel absolutely comfortable going out and meeting up uh, friends at a coffee and picking up your kids from from daycare in the same stuff. Um, that's really the intent with stuff, and and I think that probably answers a little bit how we try to communicate that message. Is exactly in that vein that you'll see us uh, talking to you. Another thing to to add to that is that you won't hear Jesper and I today use the word consumer. Uh, we'll, we'll refer to the people that uh, are wearing our stuff as users. And and it, it may sound like a little nitpicky, you know, oh, it's just a word, but to us it isn't uh, because consumerism is another thing that we just can't stand at, at Houdini uh, because it, it, it is a linear way of thinking. You extract stuff from, from the planet, you... Uh, you you use it for a while and then you throw it away because that's that's consuming something, right? There is no returning it again, <clears throat> either to nature or into a cycle of, of repetition afterwards. And these are all things that we continuously talk about um, in marketing. And, and, you know, pace is probably one of the first times that we've gotten very close to the user itself, the trail runner in this in this perspective um it it was um it's a passion project for a bunch of us um uh, we've we've uh experienced trail running through our careers i we've run a lot of trail running ourselves um when i lived in annecy that that was my my way of exercising and i uh, dabbled in trying to do some 20 and 50k trail races and um, choked of course but uh, <laughs> uh, when when this opportunity came up with pace it, it just felt so right and so amazing and um, to position our collection and our message was one of the most gratifying things that I've ever been in and and probably the easiest that I've ever been in it, it never mm. really was much of a discussion uh, why are we why are we saying? stop counting start feeling um because of two three different things um first and foremost the brand's purpose uh, our our reason to exist is to reconnect to nature to help reconnect people to nature again um so that's evidence number one basically um the second piece is what jesper has delivered to us as um as marketeers and, and communicators, which is a collection of product with what we refer to as holistic comfort. Um, product that 
uh, in itself are, are quite silent. Um, Dylan, you haven't been able to really experience wearing it yet. I, I hope you will soon. But when you put those pieces on, um, they don't feel like most other stuff that you feel on. When, when you're running, you're, you're not going to hear very much from it. It doesn't make that kind of Gore-Tex-y, uh, you know, crackly sound and the scraping against each other, the friction and all that stuff. We try to eliminate all those things and and make it feel very soft and natural for you to wear. Yeah. Um, that's evidence number number two. Evidence number three is what's happening in the world um, currently. What's happening in culture and we were sitting in the middle of the pandemic when we when we looked at this, right? Uh, we were locked up mm-hmm. in our basements. By the way, I'm still locked up in my basement. Uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I felt this yearning of just just leaving the screen, uh, just leaving all those technical devices behind, and getting out and and feeling things feeling nature um truly um and then maybe adding the fourth thing is that most brands in this space um trail running very much uh are are measuring things um and it starts with what jesper is doing you you measure your clothes right you you, you you say you know this this jacket weighs two grams less and your socks wears you know weighs one gram less than the other guys and mm-hmm. somehow that is a proof of concept that is a proof that you need to buy this um you you um you hear of people you know measuring their pace and the vo2 and it's it's all cool stuff but it's not us yeah. um you add all those things together you know, obviously, we're going to say, you know, stop counting, guys. Um, get rid of those devices. Throw them away and and feel nature, but feel yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm one of those people. I've, I've, you know, I've tried to get to the Olympics. I'm a failed Olympian in sailing. And um, I am... When I, when I train and exercise, that's something that comes natural to me. It's just kind of listen to your heart, right? Listen to your breathing, listen to your body. It'll tell you how you, how you're doing. Yeah. I don't feel like I need a device telling me that. So stop counting and start feeling came absolutely natural to us. Um, and it was showcased through, you know, this video that has been spreading around currently. And if you haven't seen it, guys, you, to check it out yeah i'll make sure right. to link I, to I, it. I couldn't stop doing a bit of sales there <laughs> no <laughs> beautifully articulated and i love the reframe from consumer to user and words do matter so just a simple change like that does change your entire perspective and is obviously in line with the core philosophy of the brand that it it's not linear, that it's circular. So let's talk about manufacturing and maybe Jesper, this is better for you. It looks like the vast majority of your manufacturing is done in Europe. Of course, most of the industry makes their products in Asia. How does your manufacturing process or what things do you do in the manufacturing process to ensure you know, using this word again, sustainability or circularity. Um, and yeah, what what uh, what uh, steps do you take to sort of help make that as efficient as possible? Um, you're, you're starting with an important part of it, but I think it's another important part um, besides working with Europe or uh, which is related to that is, is really upon looking at this as partnerships. When we manufacture together with someone, it's, it's about creating these partnerships, moving towards this circular journey since it started have been in, in, in symbiosis with others. It's been to partner up with the best in the world, and no matter whether it's an NGO or a manufacturer or a fabric developer or another innovation hub has been to work together towards, towards this vision um, and to, be, uh, to do it without compromises all the way through. And to find uh, that gathered goal and to work towards it over a long period of time. I think an important part for us has always been to work closely with, uh, with some uh, uh, or with all of them 
to be honest, our longest relationships go back more than 20 years. And if you look at the textile industry, uh, that is unique uh, to really grow together with your suppliers and and, and to manage uh, this workload uh, together. So when I go to sleep at night, I know that the people who sew the garments for you have been able to have the same opportunity to parental leave as, as I have at the moment. Mm. So I think it's, and it comes natural for us to uh, to have it in Europe. A lot of it, it sits in the Baltic states, which if we look at distance from Stockholm, it's about the same distance as to Gothenburg, but uh, a boat ride away rather than than a bus ride, uh, which means that our logistic uh, becomes very tight and it's a, a very um, tight network of of, uh, of partnerships and then growing growing together with them and, and, uh, and understanding their needs and them understanding us and, and developed over a long period of time uh, to meet that, uh, to identify uh, potential hurdles and not now, but in the future to, to move towards this circular system because we speak about circular products for 2022. Our bigger vision and an even more ambitious goal is our 2030 plan, uh, which is a complete circular system, which is not just based on on product, but how we move uh, with uh, our logistics, all the energy our partners, uh, manufacturers use, uh, and every touch point we basically have throughout our supply chain should be circular, which when we set the goal back in, I think it was 2015 to, to do that in 2030, it felt like huh, are we crazy? Can we actually do this? But I yeah. think only in this short period of time, just the transition and, and the focus that has been set into this direction and also the big players moving in this this direction gives you hope, gives you uh, see the light in the tunnel that um, this transaction can be done. And it really needs to be a, a gathered collective work. And uh, so I think that's uh, another key uh, aspect to this uh, philosophy. Yeah. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. You guys have heard me talk about the Fuel 2.0 drink mix, which is my primary fuel source for long runs, workouts, and races. You've heard me talk about the BCAA drink mix, which I love and use every day. Well, today I want to tell you about the Gnarly Performance Greens. Gnarly Performance Greens is a powerhouse drink mix that packs a punch with vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that's easy to add to a glass of water or to your recovery smoothie. Gnarly co-founder Shannon O'Grady refers to it as a whole foods-based multivitamin, and that's exactly how I've been using it, a serving a day to keep my body feeling healthy, energized, and topped off with all the little nutrients that maybe I'm losing in training or not consuming adequately in my daily diet. The performance greens are my favorite thing to travel with, especially internationally. It's my way of staying on top of my immune system basically seven days a week and at a much more approachable price point than competitive products in the market. Check it out for yourself. Go visit gonarly.com. Use code freetrail15. Gonarly.com, freetrail15 for 15% off your order. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. I've told you guys just how easy and frictionless it was to go get my Inside Tracker blood test, and now the results are in. And I've spoken to an Inside Tracker registered dietitian. Shout out Molly Knudsen. And I am back to share the learnings with you. First, I learned that my white blood cell count is quite low, not alarmingly so, but enough for me to pay attention and do what I can to remedy the situation as I understand it. White blood cells are the body's first line of defense against infection. So a low count could indicate that my immune system is not as robust as I would like it to be which is not ideal as I ramp up training and start to think about traveling to races again. I want my immune system to be as fortified as possible. So here are the steps I'm taking. Number one, taking the gnarly performance greens, <laughs> but also doing everything I can to increase my vitamin C intake. Harmony has been making me fresh squeeze citrus juices every day. I've been having more vitamin A, things like carrots and kale, vitamin E from almonds and hazelnuts and a little mineral called selenium that I'm not sure I ever heard of before, most commonly found in Brazil nuts. 
These things are all powerful antioxidants that can help fortify my immune system and hopefully bump up my white blood cell count over time. I'll share more about my personal findings in the weeks ahead, but you should go check check in on yourself too. Get 20% off an Inside Tracker blood test by going to insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. Insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. Back to the show. So on the website, it talks a bit about having a different, a novel business model. And I think the elephant in the room right now is that obviously for Houdini to exist, you have to sell the products that you make. You know, you guys have to make money. And sometimes it could be seen that that necessity might exist in competition with these core philosophies of circularity and sustainability. We've sort of just briefly touched on the rental program, the uh, reused or the used pro- uh, products that are on the website. Nicholas, you mentioned briefly also the fact that you want the products to have multiple uses, that it's not necessarily specific to one core use case, even with the trail running products. So maybe, uh, Nick, if you want to talk a little bit about this more novel business model and using any of those examples as a way to articulate that, I think it would be really fun for the listeners. Yeah. Um, it's tricky, Dylan, um, to be quite honest with you, because, uh, I mean, staying in business and paying your bills and keeping the lights on, uh, requires that you, that you sell things. Right. And I mean, the, the best thing would be uh, to not be in business um, if you really want to minimize your footprint. But it's not an option for Houdini because our our mission really in, in being in business is to inspire and educate and and create change, um, not just in, in in this industry, but and not just in the textile industry, uh, but industry uh, in general. Um, is to is to show and help um, help help industry evolve into something that it isn't today. Um, that that's a mission that drives us every day. And I'm also going to add that you know most of us are 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 competitive, um, and and we we like to win, and we'd like to have success, and we'd like to show the world. Uh, that it can be done, um, but it is something that we, I think, a lot of us are thinking about. You know, in a, we we still have a footprint, right? Um, and we'll continue to have a footprint for a while. And Jesper mentioned that there's this addition uh, of of not just having zero impact, but having a positive impact. Which, uh, which drives me. That's why I get up in the morning. That's why I work. Um, because if you don't have the ambition of having a positive impact on humanity, our society, and the planet, then why stay in business? Like, right. What is the reason to do that? Um, so we have to get there. Now, luckily, we are we're part of a community. Um, we are delivering solutions to a community of people um, that values nature. So it, it's easier that way, right? Mm-hmm. You need, if, if you'd be selling, you know, packaged foods, uh, it's 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 gonna get tricky um, to justify getting up in the morning and doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, it. it it will not stay our our business of of selling a product to the user will not stay at selling product to the user we we have to experiment and we have to find new ways and we've offered rental for quite a while actually um is it is it a um set model is it working fantastically um no but but that doesn't mean anything What's important is that we're trying and we're learning and we're sharing that information. We're sharing that knowledge. 
with the world. Um, and by the way, Dylan, I, I shall also say that we don't have any intellectual property at Houdini. Um, we we uh, we use IPs from other companies, but we don't create anything ourselves. And uh, you may raise your eyebrows knowing, well, you, you guys are crazy. Why wouldn't you do that? And the thing is that, you know, if we are if we're going to inspire and help the world to change, we need to share that knowledge, right? And mm-hmm. um, that's why we often launch stuff open source, just like that famous uh, computer operative system Linux. Um, we hope that somebody else out there will will take that further, get inspired, and do it even better than we do. Um, so rent, rental is one of those experiments that we've been doing for a while. Um, and obviously, it's a great way of thinking circularly. It's uh, what we refer to as circular business models. So not just circular product, but circular business models as well. Um, we've experimented with subscription a little bit. Um, and uh, and obviously, we have a reuse program since years back. Um, I think the subscription thing, sorry to interrupt. I think that's a really interesting potential opportunity in the apparel industry. I mean, I know we've seen like on running has done it with some shoes, but it seems like with a recyclable or biodegradable product, if there was a subscription, users could send their products back to you. You could dispose of them in the appropriate way and send them a new t-shirt. But, you know, obviously I'm sure there's, it's more complicated than just that. And you have to think about how, if that does, I don't know, motivate or uh, incentivize further consumerism or something like that, always wanting new things. But I think the subscription idea is, is quite interesting. Jesper, did you have anything you wanted to add to this new business model idea? I think the important part here is that we're not aiming to be the biggest company. Company, mm-hmm. We are aiming to be the best one. And within that, it sits really to be able to decouple our growth with the resources that we use. And I think all of the examples Niklas uh, talked about are examples of that. And maybe in addition, repairing and, and at a very uh, start or foundation of that, uh, you find exceptionally built products, products that can last for a long period of time to begin with. But I think an important part of our subscription journey was to understand how the end users fought and to be able to to give them something more than just uh, what they would consume normally, uh, to give them the opportunity for gear for a certain adventure. Like you go on a ski trip this week and next week, you go running in your forest and then you need different gear for it. But maybe your friend is going running the next next weekend or the, the offset weekend and skiing the other one. And that that way you can start uh, changing gear and, and interact with each other. Uh, and for us, that means more business opportunities, but using the same amount of resources. Mm. Looking at the idle time of, of wardrobes today, you have somewhere between between 40 and 60% of your wardrobe idling at home, depending on what studies you look at and from which region of the world, which which means there's so much passive garments out there. So we really need to, to change that behavior on consuming mm-hmm. more, making sure that the garments which is out there are are being, in u- being used in the most uh, efficient way. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's start winding down now. We've sort of touched on the goal of circularity in 2022. We're four and a half months into 2022 right now. Can you give us a progress update on that goal? How are you guys progressing against it? And then anything else you can share about this vision for 2030 uh, so that our listeners are educated on what the long-term uh, objectives are for the Houdini brand. Go ahead, Jesper. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, we're moving at a great pace. Super proud to see where we're at. Uh, let's uh, keep fingers crossed that everything works in the way that we see uh, projects are moving at the moment. And I'm, I'll update you in the end of the year, hopefully with uh, a full score. Uh, but I think the important part also to to remind ourselves of is the progress we're at 
as of today, which is sits just under 90%. We're trying to get the last bits and pieces together to make it all recyclable, um, which is uh, a fun one in its own. Uh, looking at it uh, through a 2030 or even a 2066 lens, which is maybe our, our furthest uh, goal away where it's, it's all synced. We've created this symbiosis, and I think that's an important part. Just looking ahead and remember it that what we're doing today is not purely for ourselves. But uh, I was uh, referring to that prior to this uh, started off. It's like we're on on uh, on this journey not only for ourselves to enjoy it, but for our kids and the generations to come. And I, I think for us, having a mindset um, that we're purely uh, being a part of this bigger puzzle in a way uh, we used to be a, a, a small uh, world on a big planet now now we're the opposite and I think it's an important part to to remember as we progress and and to use common sense uh, in all of your decisions and I think uh, common sense in a lot of uh, occasions will help us guide the way uh, seeing the same person you are at home and uh, being the one as you step into a more corporate role will will enable much more uh, sound decisions no matter uh, what your profession is or where you're heading yeah nicholas any closing comments about houdini what you hope for in the future and anything maybe specific to the pace collection or things that trail runners would find particularly interesting Oh, well, um, I, I think one of my hopes and wishes is, um, is that we establish ourselves, uh, here in the U S well, I think, I think that's really important for Houdini for a lot of different reasons. It's, you know, obviously it's a big country, um, and it's not so much the size of the market that entices us. It's more the importance of America in the world. And, you know, I don't think you can say that you've succeeded in anything until um, you've succeeded in America, because the impact of American, American culture in the world is so great. Um, so it's a driving force for me personally. And, and I think an important objective for Houdini overall. Um, I obviously love trail running, uh, personally. And, and, um, I am confident that, that we'll continue being really committed to what we've started. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see Houdini being a part of the, of the American and the global trail running community. Excellent. Well, Nicholas, Jesper, I appreciate the conversation, guys. It's fun to learn a little bit more about the brand. It's inspiring to hear you guys talk about it. I'm excited to try some of the Pace collection myself. And uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing for the outdoor industry, even if you don't identify as being necessarily part of the outdoor industry. It's, uh, it's been fun to follow. So thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. It's been a joy. Thanks so much for having us, Dylan. It's, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Dylan. It's been a pleasure. How about those smooth Swedish gentlemen? Could you feel the energy? I really respect these guys. Uh, they have a presence about them. At least I could feel it over Zoom. Hopefully it came across in the podcast, but it was great to meet them, to have them on the show. It really feels that they stand for something important. The brand and these guys in particular are new to me, but I'm really glad they exist. And it's clear they have high character people guiding the way over there at Houdini. Again, I encourage you to check out the Pace Collection, specifically made for trail runners, but functional across various activities. Visit houdinisportswear.com. You'll see the collection on the front page, or even easier, you can navigate to the link in the show notes. 
which will take you directly to that landing page where you can see the full collection. I also linked to their sort of hero video to launch this collection of apparel in the show notes as well. I definitely encourage you to check it out. It's only two minutes and it'll get your goosebumps going, get the blood moving, get you excited to get out on the trails this weekend. I also link to the LinkedIn profiles of both these guys in case you wanna check them out or hit them up. I'm sure they'd be open to answering your questions or hearing feedback. They're industry veterans with a lot of knowledge and certainly seem to be welcoming, nice guys who I'm sure would be open to your communication. As usual, a big thanks to our sponsors, Speedland. SLHSV available now shipping today run speedland.com pick up a pair of these incredibly beautiful black shoes gnarly nutrition go gnarly.com best nutrition products on the market NSF certified recyclable packaging free trail 15 is the code that you need to use for 15% off your order inside tracker.com forward slash free trail go check out inside tracker these guys are provides such a great service and they support trail running more so than almost any other brand certainly more so than almost any other non-footwear and apparel brand inside tracker does such a great thing provides such a great service and we're happy to offer 20 percent off for free trail listeners inside tracker.com forward slash free trail We're not doing a live stream this week. I have been feeling pretty burnt out and need to recharge my batteries. I've got some awesome episodes scheduled and a couple in the can already. So we have some great stuff coming up. I'm also gonna be doing another live podcast this weekend with Jason Hardrath here in Portland, Oregon. So if you're in the area, you'll find a link to get tickets in the show notes. So come out if you're in the Portland area this weekend, we'd love to see you, but That's it for this one. Appreciate you all for being here. Love you all dearly. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.